Before we get started, I wanted to give a special thank you to our patrons and supporters who enable us to continue this work on the Makers and Mystics podcast. Since 2016, we have self-produced and self-published close to 300 episodes, and we could not have done this without your continual support. So thank you for believing in the mission of Makers and Mystics and for partnering with us to inspire new ways of engaging art, faith, and culture. Like the wind, I don't know where you've been or where you go. You're an unpredictable cloud of crazy. Andy Squires is a singer-songwriter born and raised in the mountains of Northern California. But after moving east in the late 1990s, he spent the last few decades carving songs out of the foothills of his North Carolina home. Andy is heavily influenced by the poetics of Leonard Cohen and the lyrical tradition of artists like Bob Dylan and The National. His passion for words convey a raw and unmatched honesty that bring listeners face to face with overlooked parts of our own humanity and weave together a tapestry of heartbreak and hope. I had the opportunity to catch up with Andy at the Loom Creative Arts Gathering in Spruce Pines, North Carolina. We snuck backstage for this conversation about his creative process, confronting the empty page, and what it takes to build a sustainable lifestyle of making music and making a living. Patrons of the podcast can enjoy an additional interview segment with Andy on the making of his latest song, Death Defying Joy, which you're hearing throughout this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Stephen Roach, and this is Confronting the Empty Page with singer-songwriter Andy Squires. You know, I don't know that this will be of any importance to the people listening to this, but how long have we known each other? Okay, so this is a funny story. You might not even remember it, but we have a mutual friend, Elijah Mosley. Okay. It was his wedding in 2000. It was in 2000. You, me, and Mark Mathis all wow. played at that wedding. Okay. That's a long time. That's that's a few miles <laughs> underneath the, on the highway there. <laughs> You had you had a lot longer hair. I did. I had more hair than two, but uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm still holding it down. So, hey, well, listen. Thanks for joining me on Makers and Mystics, and just yeah. for our listeners to know, we're in Spruce Pines, North Carolina, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of some beautiful mountains. But we're doing this event together called Loom, that some of you I'm sure have seen us talking about online. But um, yeah, I just wanted to sit down and have a conversation with you. You know, I mentioned that this season on the podcast, we're talking about the relationship between art and identity. So I want to get into some of that also. But right now, I want to know what's inspiring you. Mm. Wow, what's inspiring me? Uh, or I, maybe a better question is, are you inspired right now? Yes, <laughs> yes, I, I am inspired. So this is interesting. I'm turning 50 this wow. month, actually. I'm somewhat of a late bloomer in terms of uh, vocational, uh, making a living at your music or writing or whatever it is that one does. And I, I, I make music for a living and I write. Mm-hmm. So last year and a half, uh, my wife and I, you know, I've been running this little small business of traveling, doing tours, you know, writing books and selling them. 
And I can say this, that the thing that gets me really excited right now, I've been writing songs for a long time, and you can get to a place in your life where you've gotten so good at something and you've maybe achieved a certain level of a success that the task that you're faced with is not only um, continuing that line of success, but doing something that feels surprising to you in yeah. a good way, right? Yeah. And I have stumbled into a songwriting vein. You know, you've—I'm sure you've heard lots of guys talking about people talking about uh, mining for songs. Right. We've talked about that vein of gold. And there was a time in my life where I was a daily writer. I would get up and I would write songs every day. I don't do that anymore. I'm more seasonal writer just because of the rhythm of my life doesn't allow me to do it every day. But I recently needed to go into a new album cycle and started writing again for that. And and so so being confronted with the empty page. Yes. With the guitar that doesn't have any melodies on it yet mm-hmm. is is a daunting thing. And uh, I'm happy to report that I have got on some trails, some some little bunny trails that I thought could potentially take me into some songs that were not just good, but the gold, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've got four or five that I'm just like, I'm stunned by. I mean, we heard wow. Josh Scott talk this morning about being filled with wonder again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I heard Barbara Taylor Brown say one time that she doesn't trust her writing unless it surprises her. Yeah. And I, I feel the same way. That's yeah. always the thing that I, that's when I know I'm on the right path. Mm-hmm. So in the nature of what I do lyrically is it's, it's, uh, I mean, I would say I'm more from the, the dense lyrical tradition of guys like Leonard Cohen and, oh, yeah. you know, obviously Dylan's in that world. Um, those are the guys I love. Those are the guys that I aspire to be like, and it's not easy to do, but I feel like I'm. I'm hot on the trail of something. That's so, so good. That's exciting. Yeah, that yeah. is exciting. Somewhere on the altar of broken dreams and shattered love, a burden of your mercy runs like a river on the vine. I'd be curious to know, because you've been writing songs most of your life mm-hmm. at this point, and as you mentioned that this is your livelihood, yeah. you know, whether you consider that a vocation, a career, however you yeah. think about it, this is your livelihood. Mm-hmm. And I know for so many artists, especially when you've experienced a certain measure of success with whether it's a particular song or a season of life or an album, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be, that empty page that you're talking about can be pretty scary because what if the muses don't show up, so to speak? You know, what what if the the ink is, what if the pen is dry? Yes. You know, so I'd be curious to know for you, what is it like when you, come to that empty page and you know that a lot is at stake. You're not mm-hmm. just doing this as a hobby, but this is a passion, a calling, and it also yeah. feeds your family. Right. How does that impact your creative process? Well, I would be a liar if, if <laughs> I said that those uh, market forces didn't have a, there, there is a force at play that you can't deny. You have to pay your mortgage. Right. You have to book shows. And part of that is having new songs to sing, right? But in terms of inspiration, and and I know you're very familiar with this idea, 
But that old Chuck Close quote, uh, inspiration is for amateurs, right? right? That's right, yeah. And, and the idea is he, he's, he's definitely not looking down on a person being inspired, but, but it seems as, as though if you stick with it over the years long enough, you're not just looking for seasonal rhythms, but you're, you're actually looking for a rhythm for your entire life. Mm-hmm. So I do, I can can say in all honesty that it's rare that I start to worry, like where where anxiety creeps in and starts robbing me of the joy of of creation, even though I do it for a job. Like, you know, I guess maybe the conventional wisdom is that once one does something for a job, it kind of, it can kill the joy of it. But... You know, I mean, my my stepdad's uh, he's a an electrical engineer, and he absolutely loves it. He's yeah. he's gone to work every day for his entire life, and and adores it because mm-hmm. he's working, but he's doing what he enjoys. So, I, I I can say that's that's true for me as well. And um, I think maybe I'm the age now. Maybe there's something to being older in this, where you don't necessarily lose ground on your bad days because you know that bad days don't last. Yeah. And and maybe the flip side is, is that you don't get as ecstatic in your moments of victory because you're not really working for that one day's victory or failure. Mm-hmm. You're really looking at this thing like, when I'm 80, will I be able to look back on my body of work and feel satisfied that I was just disciplined enough to keep going to the woodshed every day with my pen, with my paper, with my guitar, and just exploring those things. And I will say this, one idea that has helped me, and this is maybe more practical than everything else that I just said, I think that I'm now persuaded that there's no end to the world of ideas. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe in, when I was younger, because you know I was somewhat limited in my mind, as most young people are, you can misunderstand the world, you can misunderstand life, you can even misunderstand God in that there's a limited amount of things to say about all those things. And I don't know when it happened, but I finally figured out there is an unlimited amount of things to say about the world, about life, about faith. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I, and I think that might even be tricky, trickier for, for those of us who are maybe in more of the faith world, mm-hmm. adjacent to the Christian faith world, um, because systematic theology that was given to us as a tool is very limited in the way that it talks about God. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I mean, that's probably a whole other podcast, but I would say that l- let, let us use the gifts that the theologians have given us mm-hmm. to be able to categorize the ideas about life mm-hmm. and God, but then let us use those ideas as anchor points to go out into the further reaches into those lands of discovery. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, bringing that thought back to your songwriting, then I know when you create something that works, or when you write a song that connects with an audience, yeah, 
you know, I think of Elizabeth Gilbert uh, and her book, Big Magic. And she talked about this a lot because she had this unexpected smashing success. You know what I mean? She had a hit. (laughs) When you get that hit, the tendency can be, okay, well, I just need to do that again. Yes. But it yes. doesn't work to yes. do it again. I mean, maybe you can you can ride off the, the the fumes of that and may you know, but I think because on one hand, you know, we can only compare ourselves to an earlier version of ourselves, yes. right? So there's a healthy side of that. But then I think that there's an unhealthy side of that too, that if we're just trying to replicate an old skin, yes, we're gonna lose touch with the discovery that you're talking about yes. now. And so I'd just be curious to know more about some of your experiences with that of, you know, when you've spent the time you've spent cultivating a sound, maturing yeah. in your writing and all this, when you reach a certain measure of fulfillment, yes, how do you go forward without just repeating what's familiar. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I the 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 famous Gilbert quote that I can just think of off the top of my head, I think she said something about she made that decision to serve the art or mm. the muse mm-hmm. rather than the money. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, that's that's a a powerful moment yes. in in the life of a person because that's really what determines so much. Yes. So I will say personally speaking, and I know that there's a, a, a variety of, of folks that are listening to this, so I don't want to assume too much, but it just in my own story, there was a shift for me. Like when I was young, I, I was in the church, I was surrounded by more of the, the contemporary Christian music culture, the worship music culture, and, and I, I, I had some early attempts in those worlds, and uh, I had a little bit of songwriting success. I had, I had some songs that generated some income for me, and um, I was super thankful for that. But I did notice that the things that were in my heart that I wanted to say were, were not allowed within the existing templates of those worlds. Right. Now... You know, calls for revolution, those are never going away. Like there will always be revolutionaries who see systems or templates, frameworks, and they think that the main project at that point is to burn that thing down (laughs) and let's just all build from the ground up. Right. Somebody may need to do that. But what I've realized for me is that I, I could expend a lot of energy kind of critiquing those worlds for the rest of my life. It's like low-hanging fruit. We've mm-hmm. all heard those podcasts, <laughs> been a part of them, right? right. Um, but, but then I, I realized it's like there's these worlds that, uh, these, these thought worlds that exist. And, and I, I felt like I don't have to spend the rest of my life critiquing those existing forms. Mm-hmm. I can just go find a form where I'm allowed to say the things that I want to say. And so I took a hard, it, it, it really was stepping out of the boat. It was a leap of faith. But I, 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 in 2009, I had a tragedy happen in my life where I had no more dams to give about what I could and couldn't say in the confines of the church. So I just, I gave myself one rule write songs that you would listen to, yeah. meaning myself. Yes. Don't write for an audience. 
And Stephen, the strangest thing happened. I made a record and for the very first time, somebody actually cared yeah. what I was saying because so what good. I was saying was actually really what was inside of me. I wasn't, I wasn't an echo. I wasn't parroting slogans. I was actually, that's when I actually became a songwriter. That's so good. The craft of songwriting. And so to answer your earlier question, I would say that in, in, I, I have to make that same decision I made then in 2009, in 2023, when I, ha when I step into my next record, the project is not, oh, how do I please the audience that I've already cultivated? Mm -hmm. How do I get excited in my heart? Mm -hmm. And now I, I will say this, when you do that, you have to be willing to own your choices. You have to be willing to sleep in the bed that you made. Yes. I've, I've probably done it in the past where I, I made a decision like that and then I got mad at the world because I thought, oh, well, if I take this risk, then everybody should applaud me because I'm, I'm doing that. That's not the way this works, you know? <laughs> uh, leaps of faith. Uh, I mean, we were talking about risk this morning yeah. in, in our, our thing. The path forward, to me anyways, risk is necessary to progress in your, in your work. But just because you take a risk, is that's no guarantee of some kind of worldly success. Right. That cannot be your strategy. Yes. There's other ways to become <laughs> successful in the right. world, right? Like you, yes. you really have to be committed. Success and doing good work are not mutually exclusive projects. Yes. But they're not necessarily always joined together when you want them to be. Right. But I, but I will say I've enjoyed a measure of success. I've enjoyed enough success that I have afforded a living for myself and my family that we're comfortable. Yeah but we're working class, right? which is, we're, we're happy with, yes. you know. But there are some desires that I cannot resist. I wish I knew how to live. So many things you said I want to comment on. One, I really loved how you talked about, you know, for a particular genre of music, there could be catchphrases or slogans or things that are familiar, they're kind of buzzwords, they're, they're in a sense templated, I think yes. you use that term, but you talked about when things got really personal for you was actually when you started connecting to more of an audience. And yeah. I think that there's a real principle there just for artists of any discipline that, you know, the personal is the universal. I think if we try to be That's universal, right. we miss the individual. That's but like right. there's something about just owning who we are as artists, coming to the table in the authenticity of our experience, of our story, of the way we see the world, and letting that navigate its own course. You know, yes. art is, once we create something, it has a life of its own. It's like a child that's gonna grow and have a social network of its own that may or may not be even where we thought it would go. Totally. You know, I've, I've heard uh, these stories, I forget what it was. It was, um, I don't know if it was a vodka or if it was a uh, some kind of spirit, but the makers of this drink, they thought 
they were going to appeal to a particular uh, golfer, country club type of audience, but the hip hop community were the ones that latched onto this wow. and the company didn't embrace it. Oh my gosh. And so then the hip hop community ended up railing back against, <laughs> you know, and, and I'd have to fact check myself on that yeah. story. I know that's a, a, a vague, you know, thing there, but I think it's true that, you know, sometimes the songs we write, uh, if we let them breathe, if we let the art we make become what it wants to be, yeah. what the song is telling us it wants to be, what the painting or the yeah. poem is telling us it wants to be, we get to experience that surprise yeah. that you were talking about earlier. And I think for me as a creator, that's something that really, really just gets me going is, is knowing that, okay, even though I've written a, a million songs or a million poems, whatever yeah. it is, this next one's not gonna be the same right. as the last one. And one last comment, is when you were talking about taking risks and going into new territory. I don't know if you've read Nick Cave's book. I haven't yet. Nick, Nick Cave and no. Sean O'Hagan. Oh my gosh. I love Nick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did we did a book club in the Makers of Mystics Collective earlier this year and read through that book together. Yeah. And I've I've read through it twice now. I've listened mm. to the audiobook. It's been transformative for me. So good. And he talks a lot about grief and talks about going through difficult things and the creative process through that. But one thing he also talks about is trying out new things that stretched his audience yeah. that they didn't necessarily yes. like. And he talked about, you know, you may lose yes. some people, but then you may gain others. That's right. And, and, and really when we build a relationship with our audience, with the people following our work, my hope is that they begin to trust you as the songwriter. That's they begin right. to trust us. And so yeah. even if the first listen makes them say, I'm not sure if I like that. Totally. You know as well as I do, sometimes the third listen, yes. you're hooked and you're like, I, I can't stop listening to this. And, yes. and and so again, that comes from that freedom to go where the, the song or the art wants to take you. That's right. And and I mean, we've all heard Rick Rubin and, and his ilk talking about how we, and, and I don't mean this to sound arrogant because I, I would say this is true for any creator, but you can't expect your audience to tell you what they need. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's the relationship doesn't work like that. I really do believe that it's, it's kind of like a trust fall. <laughs> like I am trusting God, I'm trusting people. Um, when I, once I've got my thing that I've made and I deliver it to the world as best that I can, you know, there is such an unknowing in that moment. And to be honest, that's the greatest, most fun place to be yeah. in that place. Because if it was a guarantee, mm -hmm. if it was a guarantee that this was all going to work out and everybody was going to win all of the time and we were all going to make a million dollars and every <laughs> song was going to be a hit, then it, it, it would just, it would make everything almost meaningless. Yeah. That's why I kind of like all this world. I like how difficult it is to do good work. Mm -hmm. I like how difficult it is to get songs out into the world. Um, it, it's it's almost like the the difficulty is what pushes us yeah. into those potential areas of greatness that mm -hmm. were, were beyond what we imagined even initially when we set out to do the thing. Yeah. Here is my harvest of heartbreak. Here is 
my threshing of tears. One thing that I've always appreciated about your work is the raw authenticity that I see in the creative decisions you've made, you know, in the market decisions you've made, all the things that you've been talking about. I've yeah. always appreciated that about you is that raw authenticity, you know, the willingness to say, you know what, I'm carrying something that yeah. I've got to say. Yeah. And if it doesn't fit these boxes, then I've I've got to find another yes. venue. <laughs> you yes. know. But a question for you in that is, and this ties into the season theme of art and identity, you know, how do you separate your own well-being from the audience reception, mm. you know, because as much as we love those moments where it does connect with an audience, you know, there are also those moments where it falls flat. Yep. And part of what we're parsing out in the community this season is we're talking about a healthy relationship between art and audience, yes. between artist and audience, between our self and our the art we make. You know, I tend to look at it as like, my person is the roots, but my art is the branches. Yes. They are connected. Yes. And I think in some religious circles, we've tried to just cut those things apart, but I don't yes. know that you can really do it that mm -hmm. way. They are connected. Yes, I wanna be rooted in something deeper. I'm not my art, yes. but my art is the branches, if that makes sense. And Absolutely. so I'm just curious in your own life, how have you wrestled through that? How have you wrestled through separating your own sense of well-being or identity mm. from audience reception? So I play a lot of house shows. So I, I, I play small churches, I play small venues, and I do a lot of house shows. That's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. You're in a living room with 40 or 50 people. Now, in some cases, I just played a show in Columbus, Ohio. All of the people, 50 people were in the room, were all super fans. They all knew the words to every song and they were rowdy the whole time. <laughs> I could do no wrong, Yeah. right? <laughs> it was fantastic. Front to back, the room was energized. It's that thing that you pray for, yeah. where the music, the song, the performance oh, yeah. with the audience all gels together and everything makes sense and we all have a flow state experience, yes. right? Okay, I wish that was every night. But sometimes I'm in a house with 20 people and there was one super fan who invited <laughs> all of their friends yeah. and it's up to them to tell them who I am. Now, the delivery of that communication, who knows what's that? I mean, they could have just said, come hear this Christian singer. Well, people have heard... Um, <laughs> Christian music on the radio, even if they don't know anything about Christian music, maybe they've run across it. Yeah. So they, they come to this show and there's some guy and he's singing about sex, violence, <laughs> alienation, yeah. non-belonging, rejection, yeah. and, and everything in between, right? And there's like polite applause right. at the end of the, and, and, then, and then I, I mean, I have an act. I have. I, I'm a performing artist, yeah. so I have jokes between my sad songs, and um, and when when the audience doesn't know what to do with the song, and everything comes to a screeching halt, and you know you don't have it within you to tell the joke that you need, and that's when you just you just start playing songs one after another just to get through. Right, right. now, I've done it enough times where I'm better at that. But I will say this, I've had that happen enough times where I've walked out of a show with my wife and just said, what the hell are we doing? Yeah. Like, forget this, I suck at this, the world sucks. Right. Let's just give up, right? Because <laughs> right. this kind of pain isn't worth it. Now, I don't know what you would call this. I'm sure there's a lot of different words for it. 
But there is an internal endurance that one develops over a long haul of doing these things. And it's, it, maybe it's grit. I've heard that, that word used a lot. But I can honestly tell you that I love what I do. I, I, I actually, I don't believe it's true that, it, it's, it's not like the music, the words that I write, are just sitting over there on the desk and I'm just me. No, man, like you were saying, these things are connected. Yeah. It's root and branch, right, baby. Right, right? right. But I think where the power resides is in finally becoming okay with who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Like Andy Squire's skinny, old, redheaded, <laughs> freckled face. You know, like, there's just a lot of downsides to me, but I'm kind of at the place where I'm just kind of like, ah, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of like who I am. Yeah. Um, I, 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 in high school, I had bra- glasses and braces, and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in the cool kids club. So like many people, you kind of make it through high school, and, and, then, and then you go into your adult life, and you live your life, and then you start to go, Oh, oh, it's going to be all right that I am who I am. And I think that type of self-confidence, it, it, it comes from a lot of different places. I'm sure I've been in a community of people who have just spoken a lot of love into me. I'm sure it's because God himself has said things to me that were really encouraging. But whatever the combination of those things, my hope for people is that well, maybe the journey of the spirit that we're all going on is is becoming comfortable with our soul and our body. And because the voice that we have into the world, it's coming through that body. Yeah. Whether you're six foot or five foot or whatever, redheaded, blonde, black skin, white skin, yellow skin, whatever, who who you're you are is coming out and it's connected to yourself, your body, your soul. And so I think that that gives me an endurance to go through those moments of tough shows, maybe some writer's block, maybe some, uh, maybe, a, maybe I posted a song on Instagram and nobody liked it, right? <laughs> like, you know, that's the world we live in now, right? right? Where everybody has to deal with being shy or not on the internet because you can't face the rejection or not, you know? So I think I answered that question. No, it's good. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's really good. Well, let me ask you a very quick, uh, simple question to wrap things up. What's next for Andy Squires? Okay, so 2023, rest of the year, I'm just playing on the road a whole lot. um, And we've got... I, I have this book series called Poet Priest, and we've completed Poet Priest One, Volume One, and Volume Two, and we've done we've released those the last two Novembers of the pre, these previous two years. But that's not going to happen this year. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, bring the Poet Priest project to a conclusion with Volume Three. We're gonna release it in the spring. So I'm writing for that. And then just writing for this next record, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's really, you know, yeah. I, I, 
my wife and I, we we talk, we have this conversation all all the time because she's like, okay, remind me again what you do. And <laughs> I, I have a little cottage behind our house that I go to every day. And I go, I go to my cottage. I write songs and I write essays. That's what I do, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so yeah, I'm just in a, a a thick writing season right now. And it's it's I I just I love it so much. I enjoy it so much. I. I enjoy putting words together in a way that makes other people feel alive. Yes. And um, yeah, so that's what I'm working on. Amazing. Well, yep. I'll be sure to put links in the show notes of this episode so people can connect with the work you're doing. Awesome. And uh, man, I just appreciate you as a person, as a friend, as a songwriter, and uh, as a sojourner on this journey of art and faith, man. So thanks for sitting down and talking with me today. Amen. Thanks so much, Stephen. And thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. Be sure to see the show notes of this episode for links to Andy's music and for how you can become a member of the Makers and Mystics Creative Collective. We'll see you again next week. And until then, keep creating. The world needs your art. Oh,